Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Books. I am your host, Victoria. Um, I hope everyone's still doing good and keeping sane. And I hope with everything slowly starting to open up a little more, that you're going out safely and socializing and trying to get back into a normal life situation, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, life's going good for me. It's about it. Working. Doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's about all I've got going for me. Um, so yeah, this week we're, uh, gonna jump right on in. So this week we'll be covering, um, a fiction novel, and it's called All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. And this book, this book ended in a way I didn't see it coming, but it was so good. It was such a good novel. It is a historical fiction. So it's set in World War II. Um, it starts just at the cusp of World War II, goes through World War II, and then into, I believe, like the 1960s. So within that 20-year time frame. And it is set in St. Malo in France. It's set in St. Marlowe, France, which is on the south part of France. So it's by the ocean. Super pretty. It is a walled city. And so most of the book takes place in this coastal town. And some just take place in Germany um, during Hitler's rise to power. And so... We have two main characters. We have Marie, who lives in Paris with her father. She's 12 years old when the Nazis occupy Paris. And she is blind. She wasn't born blind, but I think by age six, she lost her sight completely. And so yeah, 12 year old girl with her father, they live in Paris, and when the Nazis come and occupy Paris, they flee to St. Marlowe, where her great-uncle lives. So her grandfather's brother. He is a World War I veteran, so he's a little um, shell-shocked. I guess now the term is PTSD. Um, and he... He's just very reclusive and very, like, isolated. And then our other main character is Warren, who is a little orphan German boy in a mining town. And growing up, he knew that his only real way in life was to work in the mines. Just like his father and every man in the town before him. But when the Nazis come to power, obviously they've created the Nazi youth where they bring in young boys, train them, and, you know, they're kind of young, um, 
they're they're young Nazis in centrally. So so instead of going to the mines, he does join the Nazi form. Nazi. Wow. Um party army, I guess. I don't know. I can't think of the word, but he does join the Nazis to save himself and to save his sister who's in the orphanage with him. So, now that we've gotten down our two main characters of Mary and Warren, we're going to talk a little more about the story. Because obviously our two main characters do cross paths eventually, or else why would we have two separate main characters if their storylines didn't cross? So, like I said, Mary is a 12-year-old girl living in Paris. Her and her father evacuate, go to St. Marlowe to live with her great-uncle. And the entire time her father hasn't told her what's happening, what's going on, why they're leaving... He's just kind of keeping everything low-key. And obviously he's afraid because not only did the Nazis go after um, people who were Jewish, they also went after people with deformities, people of different color. So although it's never, never really fully spoken, I think he was very scared for his daughter because she's blind, not a good, as the Nazis would put it, you know, good for the pure top race or whatever they were after. So from what I could gather, I think he was just very scared for his daughter for the fact that she was blind. And so when they go to... St. Marlowe, you know, she's not allowed to go outside. She has to stay inside. She has to, you know, stay away from everything. And about a month after um, Marlowe, wow, Mary and her father go to stay with her great uncle. Her father has to leave on business to do with the museum. And yeah, unfortunately doesn't end well for him. But the business to do with the museum is this valuable jewel that was kept secret in the museum. It has this whole like theory and um, myth around it that, you know, it's this magical jewel and if you have it, you can't get hurt and you can't die. And the Nazis, of course, wanted this jewel. Well, one specific Nazi officer. He wanted this jewel, and he knew exactly where it was. So when they occupied Paris, he went to that museum to try and find it. wasn't there. So he did torture people to try and figure out where it was. So three duplicates were made. One stayed in the museum, two left, and then the real one left. And... The real one went with Mary and her father. So her father hid it so when no one would find it. And then he went to go deal with some business for the museum. So there she is with her 
great uncle and a mate he has in the house trapped inside for the entire duration of World War II. She is in this house without her father, without knowing where her father went, without fully knowing what's happening outside. She just knows that German shoulders, German uh, Nazi soldiers have come and that they've taken over the country and she's not exactly sure what's going on. But as time goes on, she finds out a little more about her great uncle and her great uncle had made this giant um, radio where him and his brother would um, broadcast science shows for young children and they would like listen through the radio. Now remember that because it comes up later. So great uncle and his brother broadcasted, you know, uh, science shows and music and just little things to keep kids happy and keep them entertained. And of course, when his brother did die in World War II, I mean, World War One, died in World War One, um, he kept going just to feel close to his brother again. And then he stopped because guilt and he just couldn't do it anymore. But Mary finds this giant radio in the attic and she convinces her great uncle that they should use it to help try and get codes out to people outside of the country so then they could at least talk to other people. And keep in mind that radios were against Nazi Germany policy. And you know, you can have a radio, you can listen to a radio, nothing. So the fact that they were doing this was really like a big no-no. So they just broadcast over radio, just random numbers and digits and stuff like that. So if they were caught, it wouldn't mean anything. And so they do this, not for very long. They just started doing this about near the end of the war. And people in the town are helping them and, you know, sneaking them, you know, this, the news and the numbers and everything like that. And these people in the town have certain people they want to try and contact. So that's why they're slipping them certain messages, like, births and deaths and, you know, making sure that their family out of the country know that they're okay in the country. So Mary and her great uncle do this during the war, which is a huge no. So Mary is a little rebel, cute little blind rebel. I love her. Um, and so now we're going to flip and we're going to talk about Warren. So Warren is 13, 13, 14. He's not very old. And so in the orphanage, him and his sister just kind of like um, dwindle the day away by walking around town and kind of scavenging through old trash. 
And one day they come across a radio. So he takes it home with him and he works on it and he fiddles around with it and he does get it to work. So Warren is technologically smart. He can look at a radio, fiddle around with it and figure out why it's not working and fix it. So that's what he does with this little radio that he gets off like an alleyway. So he brings it home, fixes it up, and he, him and his sister hide up in their attic bedroom and listen to it. And they get a frequency, not like a, a good one, but it's good enough that you can hear it, of a French man talking about science. And that would be Marie's grandfather and great uncle. So Warren little German boy was getting the old repeats of the science and the music from Mary's great uncle and grandfather. And it really touched him. He loved hearing that. It made him so happy and just relaxed. And he knew that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a scientist and he wanted to deal with science and technology and stuff like that. But he also knew that he wasn't going to get out of this small town and that he was going to be bound to the mines just like everyone else. Well, lo and behold, um, a Nazi officer hears about the fact that he can, you know, fix radios. He doesn't get mad. He brings him to his house and makes him fix his big fancy radio. So Warren fixes the radio for the Nazi officer and then goes back home. And then somewhere along the line, he gets drafted. He's forced into, I think he's forced straight into the army, not Hitler's youth. He is forced straight into the Nazi, yeah, the Nazi army. And on his draft paper, it says that he is 16 which isn't true. Even 16 is really young to be fighting a war. But anyways, that's um, beyond the point. So they forged his age to make him seem older so then he could fight. So there's this poor 14-year-old boy going into a war. And his one mission... Oh, sorry, I got to backtrack there. He went to school and then he got drafted out of the school. So he went to the school for uh, Hitler Youth and then he got drafted out of the school because he excelled in radio technology. So yeah, it was either the mines or go to the school. He went to the school because he thought it would give him a better chance to get out. He didn't believe in anything that Hitler stood for or the Nazis, but he knew that this would be his way out. So in school, he excelled at radio technology. Then he got pulled out and drafted at 16, but really he was 14, into the army, and that's what he did. He used um, radio, and they would pick up radio frequencies of um, of allies, so like the Britain, the British, Canadians, um, the allies. They would pick up those radio frequencies, and they would go triangulate where the frequency was coming from, and then slaughter those people 
And of course he wasn't okay with this, but he had to do what he had to do to stay alive. So they go through that and then they end up in the French town St. Marlow. And the Nazi officers that are there have caught on that there is like a radio frequency going out every night relaying details. So they ask Warren and his group to try and find this frequency. So as they're trying to do that every night, Warren is out and about during the day and he sees this young girl come out of this house and the first glimpse he gets of her, he's like smitten with her. He's in love. He's 14 and he knows that like he loves her and he will do anything he can to protect her. And that girl is obviously Mary because Doi. So he, he doesn't actually talk to her. He just kind of like watches from afar. He sees her. And so he sees her during the day and then at night, you know, he's trying to find this radio frequency and they finally find it. And he triangulates it to Mary's house. Well, of course he's, you know, smitten and in love with her. So he's not gonna give up her coordinates. Anyways, some shit goes down because it's the middle of a war. Um, Warren gets badly hurt. Mary's left on her own as there's bombs coming down around the city and even with Warren badly hurt, he found Mary and he helped get her to safety to other people that were, you know, survivors. And he got her to a point where, you know, she would be found by other survivors and get her out. But of course he couldn't go with her because, you know, he's a Nazi and he would be captured and taken. So Mary survives, goes on, works in the same museum that her father does when she's older as a scientist. Um, so yeah, she works in the same museum her father does. And her whole life she was really interested in science. So she was, she works as a scientist in the museum. And so along the lines, she's, she meets a guy, she gets pregnant, she has a child. She raises this child by herself. And Warren gets hurt. He goes to an ally camp, he escapes and no one ever sees him again. So fast forward like 19, 20 years into the future, Warren's sister gets some of his things that he, you know, left behind. And in his possessions was this little wooden house that she didn't know what it was. And so she tracked it down to this house, looked like this house in St. Marlowe. And then she tracked down who was living in this house during this time, which was Mary. Well, this house was a little replica of the house she was living in because her father loved working with wood and he would build little um, <clears throat> wood 
houses and cities to help her learn how to get around properly. So he had built this wooden house and in this wooden house is where he kept that precious, precious jewel because no one would find it. So Warren's sister gets this, tracks it down to Mary and Warren's sister finds her at the museum and they talk and Mary's like, you're brother saved my life like I owe him so much I owe you so much and Warren's sister just gives her this house and they talk for a little bit and then they go their separate ways and yeah obviously there's so much more to the book but that's the basis of it um so I don't spoil anything so yeah um I I deeply, deeply, deeply loved this book. I really did. And I I had this whole like plan in my head that Marie and Warren were going to fall in love. And, you know, it was going to be one of those beautiful ending, like, happy ever after. But it wasn't. And I was really upset about it. But anyways, I think it was such, like, a good book. And just such, like, the way everything just, like, fit together and how everything just like worked and all the characters and even the side characters everything was so complex and everyone had such an amazing character arc and I I loved it I really did I wanted to read this book for such a long time then I finally did and I just I loved it it was so beautiful and so well written and it was just I cannot recommend this book enough so yeah, this week, All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr, which is our uh, fiction book. And the next week we'll be doing our nonfiction book of The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. And it's about the serial killer Ted Bundy from the 70s. So if you have a problem with serial killers or true crime in any way shape or form I will give a warning at the beginning of next week's episode because I I might not go into full detail but I'm going to talk about some of the crimes that he committed so I will give a warning just to let you know but yeah it's going to be tense next week um so yeah this week all the light we cannot see next week the stranger beside me and yeah I'll, I'll see you all next week then. Bye.